Welcome to Relax and Listen, where Josh likes to speak about some recent gaming news. My time with Sora in Smash Ultimate has been very humbling and pleasant. By far the most amount of time and dedication I've ever played in Smash. At first, my impression of his inclusion when he was released had me so stoked. So much so, I was stoned out of my mind. I'll never forget clearing his classic levels and being rewarded with this every time. It felt like I was going through all my memories and replaying the games over again. And by golly, the experience was glorious picking him up to be fully my main. If people who know me would not ask me to go random to help their sanity against my Sora, wink wink, it's taken me a while, and to a degree I am still, to get used to how to fight and play as him. As you may imagine, taking your experience as playing those characters in the games they're in and then transferring them over to a fighting game, it can be pretty difficult. It's hard because I felt like I was knowledgeable with Sora in his series but then get my ass kicked online, making me question whether I know him or not. But that's what I love about Sora. He brings in so many elements to his game that you can't take him lightly even though he could be juggled around so easily in disadvantage. You might see that as a weakness, but to me, in retrospect, I see it as a brilliant design that since if you were to fight a strong enemy in any Kingdom Hearts game, and they have a desperation move, you could easily get combos if you're not too careful. Sora for me in his first year was a lot of trial and error to get an understanding of how to play him, and kind of changed my playstyle a bit. An adjustment period in playing, gaining advice, and watching others master him was, is, fun. From then to now, I am much more comfortable in moving around the stages and getting more consistent kills with him. Still a work in progress, of course, but to see my level of play improve, no matter how big or small, puts a giant smile on my face. With all my struggles playing Sora, I am always surprised by the stuff I pull off. It's funny how, in some matches I play in, some players try to repeatedly spike me, although I avoid most of them anyway, and then turn the tide to punish them, thinking they could kill me off stage like, Bros, do you know you're dealing with a Keyblade Master over here? And I recently watched Kamehameha's run as Sora in Battle of BC5. He knows how to make use of all his toolkits, and the way he plays neutral is something that inspired me to become better at especially during my disadvantaged state. Don't underestimate the power of the Keyblade. It's very unacceptable for Star Wars Jedi Survivor to launch the way it did. We can't let this go unnoticed in the gaming realm 
because we have repeatedly over the years seen games release in unstable states. Marred with technical issues, bugs, game-breaking elements, stutters, you name it. There shouldn't be anything wrong with shipping a game finished. The leaderships, publishers, and game companies are to be ashamed of how they treat us consumers and lazily deal with our money as a first pay, then it'll sequentially be served in days. Isn't right and cool to tarnish trust with a stranger's funds like that. I tried Survivor for a bit, and I can already tell you, the frame rate stutters are jittery most of the time, and it painfully affects the real-time cutscenes. Cal can be talking with his friends, and boom, an explosion happens, then the frame chugs during those potentially good story moments. It's hard to play knowing that I'll get consistent frame drops, and this is on the PS5, mind you. So I recommend to stay far away from this until about a month when they actually finish patching it, and probably when the game is on sale. Now Redfall joins alongside Survivor as having one of the worst launches this year. Phil Spencer was interviewed by Kind of Funny Games, in which he apologizes for the awful state Redfall launched in. Phil comments, There's nothing that's more difficult for me than disappointing the Xbox community. I've been a part of it for a long time. I've obviously worked on Xbox. I'm head of the business. I have a lot of friends to get a lot of feedback. And just to kind of watch the community lose confidence, be disappointed... I'm disappointed, I'm upset with myself. Now, to be fair, I love how he comes out of the gate with taking responsibility for how it came out the way it did. You normally wouldn't see someone as a big platform that he's in with an agreement with the general consensus. Now, with that said, the same thing happened with Jedi. A statement put out in regards to knowing these guys decided to release the game broken and apologize big quotation marks, to work on it later. It's not a good look. Phil also mentioned, we do mock reviews for every game that we launch, and this is double digits lower than where we thought we would be with this game through those. That's one of the disappointing things. We would never strive to launch a game that we thought was going to review in the low 60s. It's not part of our goals. Maybe doing these pretend reviews to make it seem like testing is getting done as a gateway to launch them isn't what it cranks out to be. If that's the case, did he or anyone on the development side bothered to play it? The writing on the wall was right there and nobody thought to delay it. Especially with all these reviews going around it, sounds like not a single person play tested their product, which makes the experience funny for all the wrong reasons. I hate the mentality of, we'll release it in a broken state of sin, take your money, and maybe you'll get the experience you paid for within months. Bonus points that they mention how they'll support the game for years afterwards, which, if history is an indicator, these plans might get canned. Funny how Phil mentions delaying Halo, Starfield, and Redfall based off of production timeline and the vision. Except... Two out of those three have it done exceptionally well because of lack of content, bugs, server issues, people leaving, etc. Xbox's process and how they delay a game just sounds like all excuses 
Because at the end of the day, someone decided with a brain that Redfall is a serviceable game and shipped it. Every single company who does this need to be held accountable and called out for their lack of quality, transparency, and how often they lied to us consumers. I've been a big Mario fan for as long as I held a controller. I've seen him in many of his iterations and continue to be blown away by what Nintendo tends to put out in its mainline entries. I watched the first hybrid live-action animation, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. So I know quite a few things about our little plumbing hero. So when they dropped the cast of who'll be playing the characters, I couldn't be further skeptical and laughably not even convinced that this would ever succeed. Chris Pratt replacing the main guy, Charles Martinet, who's been playing Mario for as long as the age of time, just rung so Hollywood corporate to promote yet another animation film with big celebrity names in order to sell. To know what I've heard over my years of Mario would soon be put to the test. $1.2 billion later, and finally, over the weekend, I watched the new Illumination Mario movie with my brother and his girlfriend. If the first teaser trailer had me anxious, the actual process of arriving at the theater and trying to get there on time was the true previews. I'll say that this film in recent memory made me the most nervous because they could have easily ruined something that I absolutely care about. And to my surprise, it blew away any doubts I had out of the water. It's a fun ride from start to finish. The animation team at Illumination have done a stellar job at bringing everything to life and stick out. The locations we get to see are callbacks to the kingdoms we visit within the games was like watching my gaming history be put on the big screen. The amount of references I've seen were so awesome because they could either be subtle or in your face. And the movie doesn't just rely on nostalgia to try the plot or focus on. Although the plot is essentially Mario being isekai'd to find his missing brother Luigi, there are so many fun moments that touched my heart that such a simple story moves me so much. Like, some moments in the film almost made me cry. Or the film all of a sudden becomes Luigi's Mansion. Everyone's voice performances were really good. I was pleasantly surprised by everyone's take on the characters, especially Chris Pratt. Ever since they showed his voice in the teasers, I was very iffy on what I heard because we know Mario's voice as long as I have. My inner critic tends to remind myself of Charles Martinet, 100%. But Pratt shockingly did a good job with him. The music tracks, whew, do I even need to go over those? Because each rendition I heard of older tracks and newer ones was out of the park so much so, we listened to the OST on our drive home. Overall, it's a fun, good animated film that appeals to families, kids, everyone. Yes, it's an adaptation, but you don't need to know a lot about the Mario series to enjoy the flick. The film is engaging. The nostalgia-filled moments hit home. The visuals just being superb. The OST and the voice cast gelled quite nicely 
and surprised me as a whole that it felt like my whole gaming career for Mario was captured in an hour and a half. It's a sweet film that made me smile more times than none. Go watch it while you can. It's worth every penny and your time. A stepping stone in the right direction on how to adapt a video game. I recommend seeing the Super Mario Brothers movie, especially for gamers and Mario fans alike. Now for my daily podcast poem, inspired by DDLC, otherwise known as Doki Doki Literature Club, and it goes like this. Stolen turned out to be a bust. Can you hear a distillate clink off of bottles? Rattled are the arms who carried guilt. Places come and go. Where's the hope? Words are for nerds that others deter. Dance is never a mess. Does Tess render the best? Yearly needs beliefs are but a screen. Hesitant, I can easily bet on my regret. The sky can be blue, but it leaves me all doomed. After the short break, let's see what games will be available for the remainder of May. Careful, they're after us. We'll play as the spirit of life, Gaia, and this action-adventure platformer. As the name goes, our role will be restore life to the planet, which means we'll need to find extinct animals and retrieve their souls while dangerous enemies that are, well, after us. Let's see where our spirit is at today on Xbox Series X, PS5, and... PC. Convergence, a League of Legends story. We play as Echo, a time traveler who is seemingly trying to protect the city he's in. In this 2D action platformer, see if there's anything left to save today on all platforms. Miasma Chronicles is a tactical RPG that's now releasing on both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X today. On the planet of Lana, and a galaxy far, far away. Play as Lana with her trusty animal companion in these luscious landscapes as you try to save your sister. The Puzzle Adventure platformer is headed to Xbox One today. Puzzle Bobble Everywhere Bubble. You're these little dragons whose job is to pop bubbles. Go figure. It releases today exclusively for Switch. Star Trek Resurgence is a narrative-driven story where your choices dictate on how the story will play out. For PlayStation, Xbox, and PC today, Warhammer 40,000 Bolt Gun is an FPS that has that sort of retro gameplay that 
reminds me of classic Doom. Be prepared to clobber some bloody skulls come today for all consoles. The Lord of the Rings Golem is available for almost all platforms the 25th, with the Switch version being released at another date. Get back what's precious for Smeagol and Gollum in the story-driven action RPG. Railway Empire 2 is a simulation of building the best trains during the early 1800s. How can you thrive to work in this economy? Find out the 25th for almost all platforms, with the Switch version yet again being released later on. Company of Heroes 3 Console Edition, the military RTS, is headed on the sticks for PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X the 30th. Far World Pioneers The description states, an open world sci-fi sandbox. Visually speaking, it looks a lot like Terraria that just got an expansion pack and if that's your thing then it's all here. It'll be available for all platforms come the 30th. Friends vs Friends, a PvP FPS whose graphical stylization reminds me a lot of Borderlands. Deck building will be an important part of how you come out as a winner. Out for PC the 30th and consoles at another date. Finally, the long-awaited remake of System Shock is about to be here the 30th. The FPS action-adventure is set to bring back Nostalgic Field Adventures back in 1994 on PC first and consoles later on. I forgot to mention that Sony will be having a PlayStation showcase today. Here's what to expect from them, and their own words on PlayStation's blog. The show will run a bit over an hour, focusing on PlayStation 5 and PlayStation VR 2 games in development from top studios from around the world. Expect a glimpse at several new creations from PlayStation Studios, as well as spell-binding games from our third-party partners and indie creators. So big news later on today that I will for sure talk about for the next episode. With that being said, that's it for today's gaming field news. If you like what you heard, you know what to do. I sometimes stream on Wednesdays at 12 Mountain Standard Time on twitch.tv slash relax1won. Right now my focus is on playing the Devil May Cry collection. Currently doing number one at the moment. I also have a YouTube channel too called Just Relax. That, as of right now, is focused only on gaming. My playthrough I'm doing over there is Persona 5 Royal. Still inside of Kamoshida's palace, but I am almost done recording the whole thing, so it'll take some time to upload all of them. Eventually. So, until then, you take care, relax, and I'll talk to you all next time for more gaming stories.